0: How many of you want to learn to pray better? I mean, I do. I, I always, as long as I've been a, I've prayed since I've been a little kid and I keep learning new things about prayer. Prayer is, is an essential part. I think it's, it's at the core of our relationship with the Lord. It's interesting that every religion I can think of has prayer as a significant part of it. I mean, think of all the different religions, sometimes even pagan religions that have prayer as a part Of their disciplines, Um, but I want to share with you something that I think is so true: that that not every prayer is effective, and not every prayer gets through. If you have a cell phone, um, take your cell phone out. I want I want you to hold up your cell phone. Okay, got your cell phone. No games today. We're just just want you hold it up. Okay, now now speak a greeting into your phone. I mean, just 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 say like, like you're talking to somebody. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you say when you, when you answer the phone? What's up? If, you, if someone walked in all of a sudden and saw all these people with their phones to their ear talking, they would suspect that there's someone on the other end that they're talking to. And we, and we feel that way about prayer. That if someone's praying, there must be someone on the other end listening to them. But the fact that right now, you've been talking to your phone and nobody's been on the other side listening. And I wonder... That when you pray and when people pray, is there really someone on the other side listening? See, just like a phone conversation, there's, there's two parties involved in prayer. You talk, someone listens. That party talks, you listen. That's how a phone conversation works. That's how prayer works. But we're going to learn that there is some prayer that never connects to anybody on the other side. And that kind of prayer is a waste of time, frankly. And I just want to challenge you to ask, when you pray, is there someone truly on the other side? Just because you pray doesn't mean it is heard by the God of heaven. There really is a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray. I shared with you last summer, coming back to this topic, that I feel like we have to come back again and again. It's like like spring training in football. We're going to learn some basic things all over again. And I feel that way about prayer. I've got to go back and just learn some basic things all over again. The way I learned to pray as a kid was like this. Bow my head, fold my hands, close my eyes, and pray silently. And, and I find that really ironic that when I read in Scripture, I find most prayers the opposite of that. Heads lifted up, eyes open, hands sometimes raised, and people praying audibly to the Lord. And I wonder how many of us have grown up with patterns of prayer that aren't necessarily bad, but they've locked us in to think this is the way prayer always ought to be, when God says, oh, prayer is such more than that. It's so much more than that. And God's trying to widen our perspective on prayer. I wonder if our prayers would be more effective if we'd be willing to be taught to pray like Jesus. See, so that's what the disciples asked Jesus. They noticed that sometimes early in the morning he'd get up and he'd wander off in the, in the hills and he'd pray. And sometimes in the midst of ministry, a lot of commotion would be going on. Jesus would be healing people, driving demons out, and he would escape from the crowds and go off to a lonely place, and he'd pray. And I want to ask you that if Jesus needed to connect with the Father in prayer, how much more do you and I need that in our lives? And yet many of us go days, weeks, months, dare I say years, never having intimate conversations with the Father. And one time, Jesus came back from a time of prayer and the disciples caught him and got his attention because they noticed Jesus had a different way of praying than they did and they wanted to know what the secret was. So it says in Luke 11, verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Lord, teach us. We want to know how to pray better. We've grown up with prayer and it's been part of our religion, but Obviously, you know some things about prayer that we don't know. Your practice is different than our practice. So teach us to pray. And what follows in, in Luke 11 is what's called the Lord's Prayer. Now, we're actually going to study the Lord's Prayer over the next several weeks out of the Gospel of Matthew because Matthew gives a little fuller version of the Lord's Prayer the way that we traditionally have learned it. And so we're going to follow in Matthew chapter 6. But I want to be like the disciples. I want to say in my heart, Lord, teach me to pray. Don't you? Lord, teach us to pray. What would happen in your life if your prayers were more effective? What would happen if every time you prayed, you had confidence there was someone on the other end listening? And not only listening, but speaking back to you. Wouldn't that be amazing? We have a goal this year that that every person of our church would experience prayer in a deeper way. That not only would you feel and sense that God is really listening to my prayers, but that he's actually speaking back to me. See, so many people pray and, and never feel that like God, they, they just don't know for sure if God's really listening, and then even more believers feel like, I, I, know, I never hear from him. But that's not the way it should be. God wants us to have confidence that he hears us, and he wants us to have open ears to hear him speak to us. And so I want to pray that we would learn today and in the weeks ahead, and I'd ask you if you'd join me right now. Father, teach us through Jesus to pray. how how to connect with you in a deep and profound way. So Lord, there's so many things going on in our lives that we need you for. And we need a relationship with you. We need to have that intimacy with you because we can't make it on our own and life is so hard without you. So teach us. May this be a summer where we learn to pray like we've never prayed before. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Matthew. Matthew. Chapter 6, this is the middle chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, 7, the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6, Jesus is speaking of a a number of different practices, things like giving and fasting, and he comes to this topic of prayer. Now, in your bulletin, I made a mistake with the verses. I gave you the verses for the Lord's Prayer. We're actually going to read today verses 5 through 8. before you ask him, Jesus very simply says there, there's a right way to pray and there's a wrong way to pray. And I want to give you two examples of people who practice praying the wrong way. The first is regarding the wrong way to pray, is a group called the hypocrites, which is a reference to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious leaders, very, very visible to the community. And Jesus calls them hypocrites. as a term taken from the feeder, which, which, which references someone who's pretending, who's acting, who's not being true to their self. What you're seeing on the outside is not true to who they are on the inside. They have a facade. And they show, these Pharisees show, how sin can corrupt even the most beautiful of things. See, in, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, don't be like these hypocrites. I mean, they're very generous and they help people in need, but they do it to be seen, they do it for the praise of men. He says, don't be like these, these hypocrites because they fast. They give up food. And they let everybody know how, how, how much they've, they've sacrificed. They, they, they wear worn faces and, and, they, and they look disheveled and, and people will look at them and go, man, you must be sacrificing a lot for the Lord because of what you're doing right now. And they're doing it to be seen. And when it comes to praying, they're doing the very same thing. There, it says, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the street corners to be seen. That's the problem. The wrong way to pray is when I focus on how I look, how I look to the people around me. Every time you see movies of Jesus and you see these people called the Pharisees, they're very well-dressed, a lot of, lot of ornate clothing and, and, and robes and sometimes headgear and stuff, and they look like royalty, and so in Jesus' day, they would strut around and people were in awe of them like, man, those are the holy ones. Those are the, the ones that are really close to God. And these people took advantage of that. So they would pray and they would, they, would, they would make a big scene of their prayers on street corners. And when they prayed in the synagogue, they would stand up to make sure they were seen. And so people would go, wow, that guy, he knows how to pray. He's so close to God. And Jesus said, it's all a show. It's all about self. It's all about their ego. They care more about how they look than about connecting with God. Now there's a, a tension in the Christian life of, of whether or not we should be seen doing our Christian life and whether we should be doing it in private. So in the Sermon on the Mount, in the fifth chapter, Jesus says, um, let your light shine before men. Don't, let it, don't hide it under a bushel. Let it, let it be seen by others. Let them see your good deeds and then they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let them see it. Don't be ashamed of doing good things and let people see it. So uh, the Christian life isn't a private thing. It's just me and Jesus. It's sometimes a very public thing where people actually see you living out your faith. He says, he says, that's okay, as long as the praise is going to the Father. So he says, do things to be seen, but don't do them to be seen. And you see the difference? It's the motivation. I'm going to do things, people are going to see them, but that's not the reason why I'm doing them. I'm not doing them so people go, wow, what a holy person he is. Ha-ha, what a great Christian he is because of what he does. Because he says, if that's your motivation, as soon as you get the praise from men, that's it. That's the end of your reward. There's nothing further coming. I'm out of here. You got what you wanted. You get you nothing from me. Because your desire was selfish. He said, don't do it to be seen. But you're going to be seen doing a lot of things. So these Pharisees are so focused on people looking at them. It reminds me of little children. If you've got little kids and we've got a grandson that does this, um, they they say things like this, Look at me. I mean, it's like pretty soon it becomes everything. Like, look at me. And they jump. And and look at me do this. And look at me twirl. And just look at me. Well, that's kind of cute when they're three and four years old. Uh, But, you know, the older you get, and it's always like, look at me, look at me. Look at my picture, like it, you know? Look, 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 hit like on my picture, you know, look at me. You start going, you know, it's a little bit too much about you, okay? You got a, you got a, you got a problem with caring too much about what other people think. Uh, establishing your value and worth by what other people think. He says, don't, don't make that your focus. The, the key is, is, why are you doing it? Why are you praying? Is it to be seen? If that's it, then, then don't bother, but if it's to connect with God, then that's a good thing. Don't be like the hypocrites. He says also don't be like the pagans because they keep babbling on. They babble on and on because they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Here's another way not to pray. Don't focus on what you say as if somehow the words themselves have magic power. There are a lot of religions that have Specific prayers you have to say. It's almost as if if you say this prayer this way, if you say this prayer at this time of day, if you do it this way in this posture, it's like it's like unlocking the combination to the door of heaven, and God's blessings will come out. And if you do it incorrectly, the door stays shut. And so you have these chants and incantations and mantras that people have to say. I remember back in high school, of kids, friends from from high school who would go to the the, the Catholic church on. Saturday night, and they, they would go into confession, come out and say, well, I got my prescription of, I've got to say, this many, uh, this many Our Fathers and this many Hail Marys. I go, really? Like, if you say that many, that, that formulates the right combination to get forgiveness from God? Where is that in the Bible? Where, where is that shown to us that that's how, how we kind of manipulate God? We say things a certain way and a certain number of times as if somehow these words have magic power because... They don't. I remember a few years ago, a guy named Bruce Wilkinson, a great teacher, pastor, wrote a book called The Prayer of Jabez. And The Prayer of Jabez is a little prayer that's tucked away in the Old Testament. A man prays that God would expand his territory, that God would, would bless him, and, um, and people began to look at that prayer and go, do you know what? I need to pray that prayer of Jabez for my life, even non-Christians started praying the prayer of Jabez, thinking of some kind of a magic prayer. That if you could say this prayer and say it every day, somehow those words would cause something to happen in the other realm. And Jesus is saying there's, there's, there's no magical power in the words. And I found myself sometimes feeling like, man, if, if you don't end your prayer by saying, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, it, it feels like it never makes it to heaven. I mean, sometimes someone, if someone gets done praying, you go, finish the prayer. come on. Push the send button. (laughs) Come on, say it. By the way, when you you pray in Jesus' name, it doesn't necessarily mean you end the prayer saying those words, though there's nothing wrong with it. What it really means is you pray it in his power, and in in submission to his will. You pray pray it to glorify him. It's in his name. It's for him. It's, It's not some magical phrase that if I just say, Blah, 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 blah. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It, it makes it there right into the, into, the, into the instant inbox in heaven. Actually, to be honest, God hears the first word you say, the second word. He sees all, and he doesn't wait until the send button. So we just have to be careful. We're not caught up in somehow there's these words. And it relieves us of a lot of pressure. This feeling of, if I don't say the right words, God's not going to hear my prayer, and I can't pray like you, and I can't pray like her. You don't have to. Don't pray like the hypocrite. Don't pray like the pagan. Pray like a child of the Father. You just talk to Daddy. That's what he's inviting you to do. Just talk. You know what I love about prayer? It's different than so many other Christian disciplines. I mean, if you want to um, grow in, in, in your service, you kind of hone your skill, you learn to do it better, and you, you, you grow in it. And if you want to know the Bible, it takes a lot of times a lot of years of study and, and looking at context and background and, and the meaning of different words. But prayer is like the simplest of Christian virtues that even the most, the, 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 the most uh, immature believer can begin to engage in in a profound way. If you're just willing to talk to God, you can enter into a beautiful place instantly. You don't have to wait years down the road to mature in your faith. I love what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, prayer is beyond any question the highest activity of the human soul. It is like picking up the bat phone. And I have access to the greatest power on earth. Wow. So there's a wrong way. You don't want to do it like those other folks. And Jesus says, but there's a right way to pray. So let's talk about that. He says, when you pray, go to your room, Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Now, what, what he's trying to point out here is not the power of a prayer closet, though there's a, a beautiful part that. We'll talk about it. What he's saying is, let the audience be the one who is unseen. Let it be God. Make sure that, that your audience in prayer is not everybody around you, it's God. Let Him be the audience in your prayer. Now, you know, you know how you can really purify your motives in prayer? Go into a closet, close the door where nobody can see you, and let's see how, how passionate your prayers are when no one else is listening. And that's why he's saying, go to your room. He's not saying that's the only way to pray. He's not even saying that's the best way to pray. He's saying that's the way to pray to purify your motives. Because all you have to do is look at the New Testament, the book of Acts. And they're gathered together in an upper room. They're crying out together with loud voices. I mean, there's a lot of prayer together. So obviously, Jesus isn't saying, This is the only way you can really connect with God. Go to your closet, close the door, and pray. Now, King James Version says closet. Most of your Bibles will say go to your room. It just means go to that quiet place. Jesus went in the hills, went into the mountains where he could be alone with the Father. When I was in Bible college, we lived on a, or I lived on a, Floor of the men's dorm, very loud floor, very noisy. You Get around a lot of the young guys, very noisy. And literally, sometimes if you wanted to find a quiet place to pray, it was that little tiny closet in your dorm room. And every once in a while, we'd find someone. Where's, where's Billy? Where's Billy? Where's, oh, you're praying. And he's literally in his closet praying because that's the only place he could get away from everybody else. And some of you have found that place. It, it, it might be um, your deck. It might be the den. It might be the bathroom, it could be the kitchen, but you found a place where you can get away from the crowd and the noise and the TV and the kids and everybody else just so you can, you can focus on your audience of one. I want to talk to God and I don't want these distractions, so that helps me to do that. He is the audience we are speaking with. And you know what, what helps with that? But When you remember that, it takes away the fear of I don't pray out loud because I'm worried about everybody else and what they may think of my prayers, I I meet with a group every Thursday morning that you saw in that video and you're welcome to join us. And we pray together. But I can I can say this very truthfully, I don't care what anybody thinks of, of my prayers. Because I'm not praying for you to hear. You can eavesdrop. But but I but I want to I want to get God's attention. And I, and I want the people around me to to see that you can you can talk with God. You can talk. And I think if we can block out the fact, like, I don't know what other people think. Don't worry about what other people think. Worry about what he thinks. Make sure that your heart is sincere and open and genuine before him. Seems kind of foolish, doesn't it, in some ways, to pray to a God who is unseen? But if he's real, it could be the greatest act of faith. To talk to a God you cannot see and believe he's listening. I mean you have people around you that probably shake their head. And you say you know I'm going to pray about that. And they go what difference is that going to make? And you go I just believe. That there is someone on the other end of the line. Who's listening. Who's, who's willing to respond. Here's something else that's a right way about prayer. Pray, pray letting God be the, the only audience. And secondly be assured the Father is listening. Know that, know that we have a, a God who wants to listen. Who's tuned in to us. He knows us and he loves us. And he says, you don't have to, like, get his attention. You don't, have to, you don't have to somehow, you know, say a bunch of words to get God to say, okay, now that's a serious prayer, I better listen to that person. Or, or pounding on the door loud enough to where God finally responds. He says, your father knows what you need even before you ask. Prayer does not inform God of anything new. <laughs> You are not informing God of anything new when you pray. It's kind of funny sometimes when people pray and say, "God, you know all the, God, you know that lady down the street, the lady in the greenhouse, And la- lady, Lord, you know that she's struggling. God says, "Yeah, I know that. Get to the point. To, I know all that. Get to the point. Um, God knows everything. In fact, He knows more than you know. He knows more than I know." And so He says, "I already know what you're, what you're going to ask. And so the question might be, why bother? Why, why should I even pray if God already knows what I need? Because he wants you to know what you need. He wants you to admit what you need. And what God wants for you oftentimes is better than what you think you need. And so when you come to God and, and, and you start to say, God, I, I, I'm struggling in my marriage and I need help, God says, I've been waiting for you to acknowledge that. It's kind of like us as parents with, with the kids. Have you ever watched your son or daughter who's struggling with homework or struggling with some project at home or some piece of equipment? And you go, man, I, 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 I could just help them so easily if they would just ask me. But I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna thrust myself upon them. I'm gonna let them come to me and say, Mommy, Daddy, would you help me? But, but I'm not gonna, they're not gonna force myself into the situation. And we watch them struggle and they go, Ay, they're getting frustrated and they're slamming it down. It's not working. And, and, and then they say, could you help me? And you go, I've been waiting. I've just been waiting all this time. I've been willing, but I'm waiting for you to ask. And I think oftentimes God is saying, you know, I've watched, I watched your, your job situation. I've watched how frustrated you are in your relationship. I've I watched your health go downhill. And, and, and I'm saying, I could help, but you haven't asked me. It's like you don't even want my help. God says, I know what you need. Even before you Ask. And he knows what you need better than you. God, God wants so much more for you and me than we, we even want for ourselves. Sometimes we want God, here's what I want. I want, you know, young guy, I want that girl right there. I want, I want her, I want, I want to marry her, God. That's my prayer, I can marry that girl. I'm tired of waiting, I want to marry her. And God says, you know, that's not what you need. That's not what you need. Aren't you thankful that there are many prayers God has never answered? Really? And the reason he doesn't is because he knows what you need. Not what you want. He knows what you need, and he's willing to do that. So Jesus then tells them, here's a wrong way to pray. Here's a right way to pray. And then begins to present to them this thing called the Lord's Prayer. What is the value of the Lord's Prayer? We're not going to go into detail with it today. We're going to spend the next several weeks actually talking about the Lord's Prayer. Um, but, he, but most of you know it. I grew up in a church, and every Sunday we said, "Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven." So forth. Said the whole prayer, and we call it the Lord's prayer. I don't know when it got the label the Lord's prayer, because I think it actually is the people's prayer. It is the prayer God said that Jesus said, "Here's here's a prayer for you." This this isn't my prayer. This is for you to learn how to pray. But you need to know this about the Lord's prayer. It is a model of prayer. It is a great model of prayer. Jesus, Jesus begins this prayer in a way that I think we should always begin prayer by focusing on God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You notice Jesus doesn't rush in and say, okay, God, got your attention. Here's what I need. Here's what I want. Here's what, if you could do this for me. You know, immediately coming into requests. he's no, no, no. Whose presence am I coming into? Who am I acknowledging is before me the, look at the prayers of the Bible, how they start. Oh, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love from generation to generation. God, you are great and powerful and good. The, the whole world was made by you. Nothing thwarts your plans. You, you start to elevate this God. You start to magnify this God. He gets bigger and bigger in your eyes. And then, then when he's so big in your eyes, a God who's, who's everywhere at once, who's eternal, who's all-powerful. I have a little need here. I have, a, I have a request. Surely you are able to do this. I believe God is honored when his name is revered. And so Jesus says, you know, start off revering the name of the Lord. Pray for his agenda to be done, his will to be done on this earth. Don't dive into your agenda. Here's what I need you to do, God. Here's what I'd like you to do. Make sure your heart is, is bound into his will. God, I want what you want. More than anything, I want your will to be done on this earth, not my will. And if I'm wrong with what I desire, change my desires, but I only want what you want. And then, give us the things we need daily, the daily physical things. Lord, help us with those spiritual issues and relational issues we have. We can begin to bring our requests before God, but he's given us this model, almost like uh, an outline or a pattern for prayer, and we're going to look at that as we go forward. I, I don't believe he's prescribing for us the one prayer of all prayers, the mother of all prayers, that if we would just say this prayer constantly, it would solve all of our issues. I mean, if that were true, Jesus would say, you know, if you just say this prayer and it takes you about 15 seconds, that's it. That's all you need for prayer, 15 seconds a day. Say this prayer, you got your bases covered. It doesn't do that. It's just a model for prayer, a starting point, a launching pad. And you can pray it, but be careful. You don't pray it the wrong way. See, It doesn't mean it's bad to pray the Lord's Prayer. I think it's a good prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. I love praying the Lord's Prayer. But here's the danger, is to make it mechanical, is to make it just a ritual. Because that's what Jesus, don't think that God responds to ritualistic prayer. He doesn't. It needs to come from the heart. That's why he doesn't say, This is what you should pray. He says, This is how you should pray. That's a big difference. In other words, talk this way. When you approach God, talk this way. I love watching people grow in in their walk with the Lord. And um, one of our prayer warriors at the church is DJ DeBusk. And DJ wrote me a note this week of why she prays. And in that little note, she she shared that one of the most impactful things for her is the realization that God listens. She says, I don't know how to explain to you that I knew he listened, but I knew. I could hear him in my heart and head. You know when you hear a voice saying what to do and you know it's the right thing? See, God wants to hear us and he wants us to hear him. See, I believe prayer is kind of like this. It's it's, It's walking into the presence of the king And knowing that king is your daddy. There's respect. There's reverence for who it is. But there's this feeling of, I can be intimate with him because that's my daddy. That's why Jesus says, you're talking to your father. Talk like a child of the king. Because he knows what you need. And as the Bible says, he is able to do immeasurably beyond all we ask or imagine. And he wants you to have the assurance and the confidence that when you pick up the prayer phone, there is someone on the other line. Listen to 1 John chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. It says, if our hearts condemn us, we know God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. We have confidence he hears us. Do you have that kind of Confidence. You can have that confidence when you enter into the presence of the Father. That's where prayer begins. It doesn't begin with focusing on our words and our posture. It begins by coming into the presence of the Father. When you come into the presence of the Father, you have access to all the provisions of the Father. See, I don't know who you're praying to. I don't know who everybody else. I don't know who's on the other other end of the phone. But I do know this. If you enter the presence of the Father... You have access to everything he's able to give.